Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Stories of the New Testament, an appendage to a series of books written under the banner In Defense of Christianity. Podcast 175 examines Matthew chapter 21, 18 through 46, part 3. The final straw. Other than the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, two other trees stand out in the Holy Scriptures, the olive tree and the fig tree. They have also become Christian symbols. What is the significance of Christ withering the fig tree because it was barren? Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered, and when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? First of all, Christ, who created the fig tree when he created the earth and all things in it, shows that he has power over the elements of the earth. We must not forget, however, that Christ created the earth through laws that he organized. He never violates laws, temporal or spiritual. He cannot violate laws, or he would cease to be God. He would be fighting against himself. How he withered the fig tree is a mystery. Therefore, we assign it to one of the miracles of Jesus. A miracle is nothing more than a law unexplained. In this case, it is the miracle of faith. He taught his disciples. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. It adds a dimension to the law of creation that we cannot fully understand in this life. The very voice of God is power. When God said, Let there be light, there was light. When God said to the wind and the waves, Peace be still, the storm calmed. The power of faith is one of the great mysteries of the Bible. There are other miracles in which Christ appeared to govern the laws of nature, the feeding of the five thousand, turning the water to wine, restoring sight to the blind, and hearing to the deaf the healing of the sick, and so on. We know he performed those miracles through faith, but we don't know how he did it or what laws he used. But we do learn from the withered fig tree that faith in Christ is the greatest power on earth. Moses learned that when through faith he parted the Red Sea. Joshua learned it when he made it appear that the sun stood still, and so on. Christ further taught, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. 
If Christ wanted us to have that kind of faith here, it follows that he wants us to have that same kind of faith hereafter. He is doing nothing less than giving man the power of creation. None of the apostles wrote more on the subject of faith than did Paul. Hebrews 11, 1-3 Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The price of faith is to have the courage to act in the face of uncertainty and doubt until hope arrives. And as Christ turned water to wine, hope turns uncertainty to certainty. But we learn other doctrines from the withered fig tree. The story, though true, has the elements of a parable. Why, for example, was Christ angry at the fig tree? He was angry because it made false claims. The leaves made the tree appear to have fruit when it was barren. It is a story of hypocrisy. It brings to mind the condemnation of Christ when he said in the Sermon on the Mount, as recorded in Matthew 7, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruit ye shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then shall I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. To keep the time frame before us, in three days Christ will be crucified. There is an intensity in the scriptures leading up to his crucifixion. As we saw in the two previous podcasts, as recorded in Matthew 21, Christ experienced his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, which angered the ruling powers. He cleansed the temple and challenged the authority of the priests, the scribes, and the elders. Christ referred to the temple as my house and accused the elders of turning it into a den of thieves. For the actions above, the chief priests and elders challenged his authority. And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things, and who gave thee this authority? For modern Christians, it is a presumptuous question. For the chief priests, it was not. For 400 years, between the prophet Malachi and John the Baptist, the Jews had been without prophets, living in a state of apostasy. The spiritual leadership fell upon the elite. Christ, like all true prophets before him, went against their authority. They stoned the true prophets, and now they're going to kill the true Messiah for the same reason, taking away their power and authority. 
Christ never lost control of any situation. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, I in likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say, From heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say, Of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. Silence was one of the most powerful tools Christ used in defending himself. Silence can be infuriating. He revealed their hypocrisy. Therefore Jesus resorted to parables. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them did the will of his father? They say unto him, The first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye have seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe him. The parable was not subtle to his audience. The leaders knew immediately that Christ was talking about them, and Christ had just condemned the Jewish leaders before the crowd. Christ turned the knife when he said, The publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. The Jews hated the publicans because they collected taxes for the Romans. The leaders stoned the harlots using the law of Moses as their authority. And here is Christ putting the publicans and harlots above the religious leaders of the Jews the chief priests and elders. But for all of us, the parable offers comfort. It is about repentance. Christ was offering repentance to the publicans and harlots, but also to the chief priests and elders, if they accepted it. Unfortunately, only the publicans and harlots recognized their sins and accepted Christ's offer. Therefore, they inherited the kingdom of heaven. Those who refused to repent did not. It is easy, isn't it? in a world of absolutes, to discern good from evil and right from wrong. But the Jewish leaders had so corrupted the law of Moses that they didn't recognize Christ when he stood right in front of them. Those who recognized their sins recognized Christ. They forsook their sins and accepted the atonement. Unfortunately, today we are in a similar position. As a society, many are turning away from the absolute teachings of the Bible and creating their own moral code, calling good evil and evil good. It is a perfect ploy of Satan, for anyone who refuses to recognize sin loses the ability to repent. If Christ appeared today in our society, he would be crucified all over again. Christ gives another parable. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about, 
and digged a winepress in it, and built a tower, and led it out to a husbandman, and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandman, that they might receive the fruit of it. And the husbandman took his servants, and beat one, and killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all he sent unto him his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir come, let us kill him, and let us seize upon his inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. Of course, we recognize the householder as God the Father. The vineyard is the world. The servants are the prophets of God. The husbandmen represent the present rulers. They reject the servants. As with the prophets of God, they beat them, they kill them, and they stone them. The Lord patiently continued to send his servants, even more than the first. Eventually, they were all rejected. The householder then sent his own son. Naturally, that is referring to God the Father sending his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into the world. Again, we turn to John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. This leads naturally to the end of the world, Christ asks. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and he will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Christ allows the leaders to condemn themselves. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doings, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you, and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. This, for Christ, is the beginning of the end. The chief priests and elders wanted to kill him then, but they were afraid of the crowd. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, 
they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. What they cannot do in the day, they do during the night, directed by none other than Judas Iscariot, who would have been with Jesus when he cleansed the temple. Please join us next week as we begin our discussion of Matthew chapter 22. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.